We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. What is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to another episode of Talking Buffalo, part of the Blue Wire Network. I am your host. Patrick Moran, thank you as always for locking in. This is episode 598. And I am joined right now. This is a big week. Obviously, Buffalo Bills trading camp is starting this week. I am joined uh at this point, we're gonna call him a recurring guest. Uh, my buddy PK from the Buffalo Sports Collective. What's going on, buddy? How you doing? Not much. How about you? Been a bit since we talked. <laughs> yeah, it's been a couple weeks, man. Been a couple weeks. Um we talked real briefly before we just started uh, rolling here. I have, I don't know if it's a cold. I don't know if it's bronchitis. Quite frankly, I probably should go find out. But whatever it is, I just can't seem to shake it. I just, uh, I have COPD. Again, we're still getting, getting to know each other a little bit as well, PK. So some stuff about me, you don't know, obviously, vice versa. But uh, I have COPD. I've had it for a long time. And sometimes I just have breathing issues and I don't know, a couple times a year, I just seem to get sick and it, and it gets worse, but usually it's a couple of days and you know, I, I feel better, but anyway, long story short, shitty, man. That's how I'm doing, <laughs> doing pretty shitty. Hopefully I don't cough up a, a storm on this podcast and, uh, we, we get through this fine, but, uh, what about me, what are you up to? It's been a few weeks, man. How are you, uh, enjoying the summer, which by the way, Bill's camp starting. We're talking plenty of bills today. Summer just goes so quick. And when you get to this time of the year, you realize the end is near with summer. I don't know how you feel about summer, generally speaking, but how's your summer been going? And do you kind of feel that same way? Like the end is imminent now with football starting? Yeah, I think what we, I think we talked about in the last show is usually when training starts, training camp starts up, it's usually, all right, summer's slowly winding down. We're getting the final days of it. August is right around the corner and then September comes around. But I mean, we just Saturday got our eighth foster puppy adopted, so we wow. got a, a clean house with no puppies running around. So hopefully there will be less dog action behind me. But <laughs> I got a question for you: Have you ever been skydiving? No, I'm afraid, dude. I am such a wuss. I oh, am afraid. I'm of right heights. there with you. <laughs> All right. Well, but you did do it anyway. 
So my wife's sister, so my sister-in-law, she texted my wife and said, hey, we're going to think about skydiving. Are you in? And my wife instantly, who's not afraid of anything, is like, yeah, I'm in. Let me go ask PK. And I've always wanted to do it, but I'm the chicken of the group. And I'm like, all right, it's this might be my last opportunity to ever do this. I'm in. And it got delayed twice. So I had two opportunities to just go, you know, not doing it. I, I can't do it anymore. But uh, there, there was a jam-packed plane the first time. So my sister-in-law and her boyfriend went up the first one and we saw them fly down and everything. And they were like, oh, it's no big deal. No problem at all. It's like 20 minutes max. I'm like, okay, I can do this. Got up in the plane. They opened the door like five minutes into the flight and just that wind hit you. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. <laughs> and then they shut it. I was like, all right, I, I can do this. It's it's just 20 minutes of my life, five minutes flying down. I'm good. Then they open the door and everybody's just jumping out. And as soon as you see the person in front of you just disappear, you're like, oh crap. But by the time he goes, okay, we're good to go. There's no thinking. You're just already falling. And going into it, I'm like, the biggest issue I'm going to have is being able to catch my breath up there. That, that's been my, my biggest issue. Heights wasn't the problem. Jumping out wasn't the problem. It was being able to actually catch my breath and breathe and couldn't do it. I was like suffocating for 30 seconds because I couldn't breathe. But once you got to the the chute being pulled and you're just gliding, it was the, I've never experienced anything like that. I, I encourage everybody to do it. Just be prepared if you're like me who can't catch their breath. The first 30 seconds is a bit rough. A bit rough. <laughs> well, you can encourage everyone to do it all you want. I'm not going to be one of them. <laughs> I literally just told you, you're talking about being able right. to catch your breath. Yeah. By the way, as you're telling this story, I'm actually getting antsy <laughs> and nervous as you're telling this story. And I'm I'm just, I literally just told you, like I have COPD and I can barely catch my breath normally. Like right now on this show, I can't even imagine that. I got to tell you, props to you though, for, for conquering, you know, uh, something that you would be chicken of something that was a fear for you. That that's really cool for you. Um, me, I told this story a couple months ago. I, I'm horribly afraid of heights, dude. Like I was on a, uh, we're at the queen of heaven, which is a carnival in West Seneca recently. And I'm afraid of probably of all the rides. Like when you go to like dairy Lake or something, the ride that I was always most afraid of chicken shit more than anything else is the Ferris wheel simply because, <coughs> excuse me, simply because how high it is and you just stop. And it kind of just moves ever so slightly like the, uh, you know, the, the one that you're on. A couple beers later, I did go on the Ferris wheel at the Queen of Heaven, which to everyone else is a joke because it's so small compared to like Darien Lake or the other big parks where they have it. But yeah, man, I'm afraid of heights. And to your point, not skydiving, but I remember years and years ago, I went to Darien Lake with my girlfriend who ultimately became my wife and, and another friend. And he got me, even though I'm afraid of heights, he convinced me to sign up to go on some kind of really high thing that falls really fast. I, I wasn't skydiving, but anyway, the weather came and saved me because it got canceled. I ultimately, I could tell you right now, I was ultimately going to, uh, <laughs> I was definitely going to check it out. I, I, I just got this crippling fear of heights, man. I can't help it. Yeah. I've, I've, it's not heights for me. It's more of like steepness, like the old Yankee stadium. I went there in I think eighth grade and we were up on like the fifth or the, the 500 section, I think it's called. And just like how steep it was. That's what got me. 
And it's not the height. Like we went to, I think the Empire State Building the next day and I'm hanging over the edge. I know I'm fine. I think it's the fear of like falling from the, the height level of steepness. I think that's what gets me. But like even the 300 section in the Key Bank Center, that, that gets me sometimes. I can't, oh, really? I can't do height that are, is steep, I guess. I, I, it's a weird thing. But yeah, heights aren't that issue. I like I can climb a ladder and stuff like that. But it's it's when you get at a what, like an 80 degree angle. That's terrifying. <laughs> what was it like when you landed on the ground? Like you said, you'll ultimately, you know, besides the catching your breath part, you would recommend it to everybody. But did you get like this feeling of, of euphoria when you actually accomplish it? Like I said, you conquer your fear. You made it. You know, you're not dead. That's just, got, I, I can't, again, I, it's not something I would experience. So I wouldn't know. That's why I'm kind of asking you, but like, did you get like that momentarily feeling of uh, euphoria when you did land? I think I, it, it was definitely that, but also when, after our, it was relief too, but it was like, okay, I can, I'm on the ground. I can actually breathe now. But at one point when our chute got pulled, the guy goes, look up there, your wife's right up there. And she's probably like 200, 300 feet above us just doing like 360 spins and stuff like that. I'm going, I hope my guy doesn't try to do that. Cause I'm not cool with that. But then we got to the ground and he goes, I'm going to try to put you right next to your, my, your wife. And I'm like, she was just above us. How did she beat us to the ground? And I guess when you spin like that, you burn off more energy and you start falling quicker. So she'd been on the ground for like two or three minutes and we're just gliding in. And then she's running. Why don't you look happy? I'm like, well, I'm happy now, but it's like, whew, that's stress building up. She goes, you weren't smiling. You weren't make, talking to me on the plane. Nothing. You were just like laser focused. I was like, that's all I had to do. <laughs> that's, all <laughs> I, that's all I was able to do. It was so scary. That's, that's, that's really cool though, man. What an awesome adventure. So for people. And again, thank you for tuning in, whether you're, whether you're listening, whether you're watching. And again, if I cough, I'm trying hard not to, but if it happens, I, I apologize. But anyway, we're going to spend the bulk of this episode kind of doing a, a Jekyll and Hyde Bills Cam preview. I think whatever your attitude is going about this team, going into the season and going into training camp, I feel like you have plenty of ammunition to, uh, to emphasize that even more, if you're very positive, you're very upbeat about this season as a Bills fan, I think there's a lot of things as the Bills go into camp that to really excite you. Conversely, I think if there's a couple things that you're worried about, and we're going to talk about both of these city, like I said, a Jekyll and Hyde kind of camp preview. Um, if you're concerned about the team, I think there's some significant reasons why, if you're looking at the team unbiased and objectively, um, why I think that there uh, there's reasons to be concerned as well. So that's what we're going to primarily talk about today. We're going to do our little personally PK segment at the end. Um, that's just an opportunity. Again, PK is kind of new, at least to this podcast anyway, and some of you watching and listening, getting a chance to uh, do the segment where you, you learn a little bit more uh, about him beyond just, uh, you know, what he thinks about our Buffalo sports teams. Quick programming note tomorrow, I'm going to have Anthony Barino. I have him on every Wednesday from Buffalo Rumleys for the summer. Anyway, Anthony will be with me We'll have uh, more Bills talk as, again, as they get ready for camp. We'll be counting down our list of uh, players, Bills players with the most approved. And then this Saturday night, um, live from Imperial Pizza, I'm going to have former Buffalo Bill great John Fina is going to be with me at Imperial Pizza. We're going to bang out some wings, uh, have a couple pints. Um, John is a big, big Bills fan, and uh, he, he loves the fans, man. He loves engaging with fans. So if you happen to be in South Buffalo on Saturday evening, stop up. John, I'm sure will have a beer with you, chit-chat, and then we're going to do the show live uh, 
from Imperial on Saturday night. But anyway, that's later this week. As for today, like I said, let's kind of dive into this a little bit. A Jekyll and Hyde Bills camp preview. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on a lot of these topics here. Um, let's start here. I think this is a positive thing, and this is just my opinion, and maybe yours differs. But for me, I feel like this probably right now, as things stand in, in late July, I feel like this current Buffalo Bills roster is the best Bills roster that I've seen since the Josh Allen era um, began. Before we deep dive into some of that, like your general thought when you hear something like that, is that something you agree with right now when you look at this roster? Or do you think maybe last year and a year before on paper that they were a little bit better? I think they're probably on par with the last two seasons. Mm -hmm. If not, they might have better complementary pieces in this one. I think they saw where their errors of their ways were last year, where they didn't have enough weapons on offense. You saw them have to bring back John Brown and Cole Beasley. But adding the pieces that they did, drafting a guy like Dalton Kincaid, uh, even uh, Osiris Torrance, who I'm sure we're going to be talking about in a bit. I, I think the pieces are there to be the the best Bills team in a long time. But again, it, it's similar to like last year where it was they're the Super Bowl favorites. You know, they're the the the, the front runners, the betting favorites to win the Super Bowl going into the season, and then it kind of just all fell apart towards the end. Injuries, Demar Hamlin, coaching, all that kind of stuff just t- crumpled on top of each other. So while on paper, I think it's one of the best, if not the best in a long time, it's it's I guess it's going to have, have to come down to what they actually do on the field with all these changes. Great point. And vibe wise, I feel like last year training camp this time, it felt like to me because the Bills were coming off a playoff loss of the Chiefs where they blew a game in 13 seconds. They should have won that. They win that game. They're at home against the Bengals. Not the Bengals team that we saw whip the Bills last year in Orchard Park, a a different Bengals team a year ago. Anyway, it just felt like the Bills were going to the Super Bowl and then 13 seconds that managed to not happen. Going into camp last year, it felt like as long as this team could stay healthy and and, and not self-destruct that this was going to be 2022, it's going to kind of be their anointment season, their coronation season where everything uh, fell together. In a lot of ways, despite everything that happened, it kind of did. I mean, they only lost three games last year, the regular season, by a total of eight points. So to say that this team's better on paper, you know, you could go back and forth whether they are or they aren't. You brought up some good points. But last year, before the playoffs, regular season at least anyway, you know, the, the bar is pretty high on this football team. And we'll talk about that as well. But let's talk about this team right now. Again, going into camp, um, some areas that excite me as as a fan. And even if I'm being objective here, you know, you don't even have to be a fan of the team, but you just look and you're like, these are good things for the Buffalo Bills. Um, Let's start with three defensive additions. And we'll talk about the health of some veterans coming back as well in a few minutes. But I think that the Bills added three. You hit the word depth earlier. Um, You know, these aren't superstar players, but guys that are going to help, I think, contribute. And they're better depth players than what they had a year ago. Um, Taylor Rapp, who's signed as a safety, but I think you're going to see some of him in some dime packages playing like that second linebacker or six DB spot. You got uh, Puna Ford coming over from Seattle. He's a guy who the Bills liked in free agency early this free agency and previously as well. Um, I think he brings a lot potentially to the defensive tackle rotation. And then Leonard Floyd, which to me was a huge signing because if Vaughn Miller's not ready to start the season, 
he's out there alongside Greg Rizzo in week one. And even when Vaughn's back, he's going to be that third defensive end. He's going to play a lot. He's had at least nine sacks, three straight seasons. Um, I think I, I did this, told this that for Marlon Williams and uh, Bruce Smith, the only two players ever in the history of this franchise that ever had three straight years uh, of three sacks. So, or, or nine sacks, I'm sorry, in a season, three straight years. So he's got some uh, credentials that he brings to the table. So just starting there with the three defensive additions on paper anyway, it certainly makes his defense look better before we even get into, like I said, some veterans who were banged up last year. Yeah, I mean, adding a guy like, I, I think the biggest one of those three is Leonard Floyd. And because yeah. of the misses, quote unquote misses, I guess you can't really call them all misses, that the that Brandon Bean has had on the defensive line in the draft. I mean, you've I don't I don't want to say fully missed on Boogie Basham yet, but going into year three, it's make or break. And it, I I wrote an article predicting the fifty three on our website, and I have him missing it to AJ Epinesa, and it says a lot about a third year second round pick not making the team. So bringing in a guy like Leonard Floyd, which you brought up, imagine those three guys healthy, having a healthy. A well-rested rotation of Gregory Rousseau, Leonard Floyd, and Von Miller, that's going to terrorize opposing quarterbacks. And then, like you said, Puna Ford's going to – I think he's going to be more of the Daquan Jones substitute guy. Absolutely. Where I think both of those – yeah, both of those guys, I think it's going to keep Daquan Jones healthy for one, which he was desperately missed, missed in the Cincinnati game, but also to give him a break mid-game where he doesn't have to play 70 75% of the snaps. So getting a guy like that will help. And then – also, I, I think I mentioned in my article as well, with no um, Tremaine Edmonds in the lineup, I actually envision what you said just a second ago, bringing Taylor uh, Taylor Rapp down into the box and playing maybe alongside Matt, uh, Matt Milano there, where you're not going to have two linebackers on the field. You're going to have one linebacker and like five or six DBs on the field. So I think all three of those were they might not have been that big flashy signing like Von Miller was last year. They're those tiny little depth pieces that are going to have huge roles on the defensive end. Or I want to, <laughs> I want to, I want to, I want to circle back here to Puna Ford because um, I remember Joe Goodberry covers the Bengals talking about it, that Bengals playoff game last year. And I couldn't believe how different the defensive line looked without Daquan Jones. And he said, even going into that game, when he was going through the injury report for both teams, and of course, the Bengals had three starting offensive linemen out. Um, Daquan Jones on the Bills side was out. And he said that was going to be a problem. And, and obviously, he was very much right. I like the Puna Ford signing a lot because if hopefully De, uh, Daquan stays healthy, and you're right, maybe um, having less snaps with Puna there will help preserve his own health. But even if he is out, Puna Ford to me is a significant, significant upgrade for sure over Tim Settle who came over from Washington last year, didn't really see much from him. I think he's one of those guys, and maybe we'll hit on him in a little bit, who might be like on the bubble. You know, I don't think his spot is guaranteed. If the Bills only keep four defensive tackles, depending on what the health of Jordan Phillips is, which is the other guy that I'm talking about. He is a, a very streaky player. He, he makes some nice splash plays, but he gets banged up a lot. And I think the defensive line, the depth of the defensive line, especially in the interior, really took a hit last year when either Daquan Jones was out or Ed Oliver who missed time um, with an injury. So I, I think Puna Ford, he might only get you, you know, two sacks, three sacks, whatever. He might not put up 
eye-popping numbers, just like Daquan Jones doesn't put up eye-popping numbers. But I think his presence in the middle of the defensive line is going to be a big deal. And I think that the Bills looked at that film from that Bengals game and, and saw that and said they got to do something to really um, improve the interior defensive line. Now, to be fair, Daquan Jones sat around free agency for a couple months. I mean, maybe all the NFL, the league knows stuff that obviously, you know, that we know. But the Bills signed him right after the draft. I don't know. I just, I look at all these guys and I think they could all be useful players, all three of them. But um, I, I just, there's something about Puna Ford. I think he really solidifies the interior defensive line for the Bills. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, I think to a hopefully better role than Starla Tule when McDermott came over and he wanted that guy and sure. everybody was just saying, why is this guy still on the team? Like he's not contributing box score wise. Daquan Jones didn't really do anything box score wise either. It's not always what you see in the box score. It's more what you're doing on the field. That's also contributing. I mean, he might not get a single sack all year, but you might have the edge guys both, you know, maybe Gregory Rousseau and Von Miller getting double digit sacks and he's not going to get credit for it. It's all like the dirty work that he's going to be able to do taking on those double teams that frees up other guys. Let's talk about, all right. So again, we're doing the good and the bad, you know, the, the Jekyll and Hyde. And right now we're talking about the good stuff. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll talk Jermaine in a few minutes here on the other end, but even without him gone. All right. So I just, let's do this exercise this way. You, you, I, I just named, we're, we're talking about three players. We're talking about Floyd. We're talking about four. We're talking about rap. And let's look at last year's roster and let's just say who they're plugged in for. You look at Floyd. I agree with you, by the way. That's probably your 2023 Boogie Basham or AJ Manessa. One of those guys, but more likely Boogie. He's your third defensive end when the team's healthy compared to what Boogie Basham was, say, last year. Puna Ford, I just talked about Tim Settle. That's your 2023 upgrade from Tim Settle. And Taylor Rapp, I mean, dude. You look at the safeties last year when Hyde was pretty much done. Not pretty much. He was done for the season after week two. And Jordan Poyer tried to play through so many injuries. But you look at those safeties last year. And and by the way, I completely agree with you when it comes to how I think uh, he's going to be employed by or deployed by um, Sean McDermott. But even just as a straight safety, all right, you're talking Jaquan Johnson and you're talking Dean Marlowe and you're talking Cam Lewis. And now you got Taylor Rapp, who is a good player with the Rams. And by the way, unlike Floyd and uh, Ford, who signed with the Bills after the draft, Taylor Rapp was one of those first signings very early on in free agency. So he's a guy that they definitely liked. But that depth right there alone, those upgrades over, say, those three guys is, is really good. And then you take the veterans who last year were either completely out or playing through a lot of shit. You know, Trey White came back little later than we thought last year. And now we know why, because he just, he had his moments later in the season, but he just, he still was not the pre ACL injury, Trey white. So you get him back, um, you know, by all accounts, hundred percent fully ready to go here to start a camp. And you got Mike Hyde back hundred percent ready to go. And, and, and you got Jordan Poyer back a hundred percent ready to go. Vaughn Miller, I love Vaughn, great player, but I don't believe shit he says anymore. So if he says he's going to be here week one, I don't give a shit what he says. I, I don't believe him right now. All due respect to a to a great player, but after the whole Beckham and the Hopkins stuff and all these predictions, I'll let the, the team decide when Vaughn Miller's going to be back. But anyway, he's going to be back. And when he is, he'll be hopefully, you know, 100%. He's, unlike Trey White, he's been through this before. So with the ACL. Um. Anyway, my point is, the health of really good veterans coming back should help this team a lot as well. 
Yeah, I mean, remember Vaughn said he was going to be back for the playoffs also. <laughs> this is the, it's the one thing I've always said is the players could say whatever they want. You can never trust a player's players, him saying, right. hey, this is going right. to be my, pl- my status because it's never going to be true. But I, I think you brought up a perfect point. It's just not, you know, Taylor Rapp, you know, what he's going to be able to contribute. It's going to be what he could contribute if Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde do get hurt again. They're on the wrong side of 30. I mean, they're not getting any younger. There's a lot of mileage on that body. They played a ton of downs in the first, what, five years before they actually got hurt. Six years, I think it is. But I think having that depth behind them, because we don't know exactly where DeMar Hamlin's going to be physically to play. Sure. So you're also probably going to be replacing him also, unless he's like gung-ho ready to go. Because I really liked him, what he was also doing, filling in for Micah Hyde, playing next to Jordan Poyer. I thought that was a great dynamic duo there. But, I mean, you you mentioned it. Tredavious White, finally back. I think him being able to play the amount of games he did last year, even if he wasn't 100%, he earned that trust in his knee to fill out, hey, I can actually get through the rest of the season, not get hurt. I'm going to have nicks and bruises there because I think he was the one that was saying how mentally exhausting and how how much it was mentally to try to get over that injury. So having all those guys back healthy, I mean, the defense just plays at a different role when you have Hyde and Poyer back there playing 100% of the snaps. I don't know if they're going to. I don't know if the they've maybe learned from their mistakes on, hey, we got to give them a break you know, every other down or, or something like that, you know, once, once a drive, they got to come off the field or something like that, just to, you know, take some of that mileage off their bodies. So when player playoffs come around, they're as healthy as they can be. But Taylor Rapp, I, I'm shocked that he only signed a one-year deal and it was in Buffalo. Cause I thought his services with he, where he is, his, his resume and his age, I thought he would be more coveted around the league. And I, I don't know if he turned down a, a bigger deal or more years of guaranteed money from somewhere else, but him coming to Buffalo on a one-year deal that cheap and that young of an age, I, I love it. It was definitely a, a, a W for the Bills. I'll say the safety market, though, after those first couple of safeties that got big yep. money, as we saw, you know, hence why Jordan Poyer is here back in Buffalo, the safety market was pretty shitty. I think a reason why maybe Taylor Rapp would come to Buffalo is between Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde, who Micah Hyde's in the last year of his contract, and the Bills could easily get out from Jordan Poyer after this year if they wanted to. Not saying they want to, but I, there's a good chance that maybe if the Bills move on from one of those guys that they can look to Taylor Rapp to be a starter. Now he has a whole year in the system. I love the point that you made, by the way, about Trey White. Even He came back last year, and even if he wasn't his old self, and he did at times he looked really good, but at times he looked tentative. The both Bengals games, well, the full playoff game and the, the quarter of uh, the Monday night game in Cincinnati before the Hamlin injury, just he didn't look like the Trey White that I know. But anyway, I liked your point a lot that he now has that mental confidence that he did come back and he was able to run and he was able to play. And I'm sure he's worked his ass off and uh, he'll be good to go. So again, another reason going into camp and obviously something to keep your eye on for everybody who's at camp watching these practices, seeing how Trey White uh, moves around. I think another reason, one more thing with the defense here, um, he had a sprained ankle or a high ankle sprain. I'm sure he's 100% fine, but this is that third year for Greg Rizzo. And I think he's shown a lot of glimpses of a guy who could break out. And, you know, I, I'm looking forward as camp starts here to seeing him in action and how he looks and, you know, just his body language and stuff like that. Because I think, especially with Vaughn Miller back, hopefully much sooner than later, and Leonard Floyd. I think there's not going to be a lot of double teaming going on is what I'm saying. When, you know, we got Greg Zoe out there. 
you're not going to be double teaming him a lot because of Vaughn Miller, because of Leonard Floyd. I think this is a great chance for him to have that breakout third year. So I'm really looking forward to seeing him uh, at St. John's Fisher here in, in the coming weeks. Yeah, I was actually excited to see him last year, too. I think we made our three bold predictions on our show, and it was Gregory Rousseau was going to lead the team in, in sacks. And I, I think he did, so I think we got that one right. I think Von Miller would have passed him if he would have played the whole season. But he's just a different animal when there's a different defensive end also rushing the passer where you don't have to push more guys to his side. If you even it brings back Leonard Floyd, that's such a big signing there because it also frees up the other side in Gregory Rousseau. I think you hit the nail on the head. He's going to be big this year because also you got to remember he missed the whole year of college during COVID. So this is what his third yeah. straight year of playing. So he's finally getting into the groove of everything. And hopefully with Floyd and Von, a healthy Von back, he's going to just be lights out this year. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, I'm back with PK from the Buffalo Sports Collective. Staying on the good side, things to be excited about. I don't know how everyone feels about this. Maybe there'll be some discourse here with this statement, but I'm still, despite what happened last year, I know he was very inconsistent, and we'll just use that word inconsistent. Fought some ankle injury early in the season. Don't know how much he, uh, you know, if he ever really fully got to 100%. But regardless, last year's last year. I'm excited about Gabe Davis. He's in a contract year, too. And I don't think a lot of people understand that. When you say you're in a contract year, it's just easy to kind of gloss over that. When you're in a contract year, and if you're watching this on video, PK just, you know, flash some money signs. That's what it's all about. Quite literally, for, for a guy like Gabe Davis, who is like on the fringe of being a star, he's had his moments. There's literally millions of dollars on the line. You know, if he goes on, he has the kind of year he had last year. He's probably going to go get maybe four, five, six million dollars in an open market somewhere for a couple of years. You have a, a good year, the kind of year we think a, a solid number two that he's capable of having. You're talking 
three, four year deal, 12 to $15 million per year. So again, you're literally talking about millions of dollars. Everything I've heard, and I know a couple of players, I know some people in the organization that this guy just seems really locked in. He's worked his ass off. He's in great shape. He's fully healthy. Um, you know, his shortcomings, whatever you, you may think they may be, if the inconsistent ends, I don't know if that's ever going to change at this point of his career. But I expect a lot more from Gabe Davis. I'm really looking forward to seeing how he's looking in camp. And I am really high on him for a lot of reasons. Like I said, contract being one of the primary ones. I think he's another guy who could really be in for a good year. Something that we were probably would have said the same time if we were doing the show 12 months ago. But I'm pretty high on him right now. Yeah, I'm still in the belief that he's probably closer to a three than a two. Mm-hmm. But I think what's the biggest benefit—the uh, biggest benefit to him this year—is what happened at the end of this year compared to what happened at the end of the year before. He had four touchdown catches in the game in Kansas City. So going into last season, he had that hype. He had that uh, the breakout party you know, tag next to his name that, I mean, in fantasy, everybody was going, okay, he's going to be a number two wide receiver and and he's going to be lights out in this one. This is going to be his make or break year and he's going to take off. And it never really came. I think what is also nice is you brought in a guy like Trent Sherfield, who I'm sure we're going to be talking about in a bit. He is an excellent blocker. Gabe Davis is an excellent blocker. Put more blocking roles in Sherfield and that frees up Davis a bit more in the receiving game where you know, it might also benefit him with Josh Allen, fully healthy. Also, that might have played a bit of a factor. I don't know how big of a factor it was with his throwing arm injury, but between his ankle, Josh's, Josh Allen's arm, I, I and like you said, the contract year where he wants to go make millions. I mean, OBJ just made 15 million, hasn't played football in a few years. If he yep. comes out and goes over a thousand yards, 80 receptions in like what, six or seven touchdowns, he's going to break the bank and he might price himself out of Buffalo. And that might be the best situation for Buffalo and him is, hey, they can't afford to retain him because he had such a great season. Anthony Marino from uh, Buffalo Rumblings, who who does the show with me. In fact, he'll be with me on tomorrow. He's convinced that the Bills are going to give Gabe Davis an extension before the season even starts. I can so see uh, we'll see how that plays out. Let's talk about Sherfield. In fact, let's just talk about the offense. Look, we could spend a whole hour talking about Josh Allen. Uh, of course, we're not going to do that. Reasons for optimism always are going to start with, with Josh Allen. He's one of the best in the league. And just like 31 other teams, you can say the same exact thing. He goes down, the ship goes down. It's simple as that. He played through the arm, the elbow injury last year. Obviously, 100% going into camp right now. That's exciting. But, you know, we spent some time uh, talking about the defense here before we we, we took a break. And, and Floyd and Ford and Rap and the upgrades that they were depth-wise over what they had last year. You got Sherfield. You got Deontay Hardy, which he might even have a bigger role now, which, by the way, we didn't even talk about this because we we're talking about upbeat, positive stuff. Naheem Hines is already out for the year. I'm sure everyone listening or watching already knows uh, he was stationary on a jet ski. Don't know the details. Just know that somebody crashed into him and it messed up his ACL. He's going to have to have surgery. That sucks. Opportunity, though, for Deontay Hardy. and his ma- Now it's a really good thing they signed him. Because this guy was one of the best returners in the league a couple of years ago. In fact, he was an all-pro um, returning kicks. So they have him anyway. You take Jeffrey, you take Hardy, and let's take Dalton Kincaid, the first-round pick. And then let's talk about what they had these same positions last year. Even though I think Kincaid ultimately is going to be more of what Cole Beasley was, even if you want to call him for now your second tight end, you had Tommy Sweeney last year. You know, And, and now you got Dalton Kincaid. 
Uh, Sherfield, he takes the place of like Jamison Crowder or uh, um, who's the other guy I'm trying to think? Oh, Jake Kumaro. You know, by the way, Jake Kumaro, really good special teams player, much like Sherfield, pretty physical blocker. I think Sherfield's better. And then you got Hardy, which I think potentially, potentially, and I got to use that word, he could be what the Bills hoped and wanted Isaiah McKenzie to be a year ago. So if you take McKenzie, Kumaro, and Sweeney, you take them out and you put in Kincaid, Sherfield, and Hardy. Again, on the upbeat side here, as a Bills fan, that, that's got to have you excited and something that you're really looking forward to seeing highlights from during camp. Yeah, I know some people are really high on Hardy, and I'm definitely one of those. I'm actually mm-hmm. more excited to see Hardy than Kincaid. And this is no knock against Kincaid whatsoever. It's just the history of rookie tight ends coming to the league. Yeah. They, they never explode. They never take off. So everybody that's claiming for like a thousand yard season for him and like a hundred receptions, I'm just a little bit more tentative on it just because, I mean, you got like Mark Andrews, second best tight end in the league. He had 34 receptions, 552 yards and three touchdowns. Next year, he exploded. So next year, I'm expecting Dalton Kincaid to kind of explode. But I think it's really going to be Hardy that's going to explode. I think he's going to come into camp. I think he's going to claim that slot role. And I'm very excited to see what Ken Dorsey can use with his type of skill set, how quick he is. Like you said, I think he's brought in to kind of be what McKenzie was supposed to be. And I mean... Like you said, losing Hines stinks. He was an unbelievable returner. He brought so much to that, but he wasn't really involved in the offense that we thought he was going to be. And I think that was because it was so difficult to get ingrained in it midway through the season. But with Hardy having the whole offseason, he's going to be involved in the in the return game now. I think he's going to be involved in like the jet sweeps that disappeared last year. I think he's going to be involved in the slot game. I think he's going to be that gadget player that can play everywhere. And he's the one that I'm extra super excited, the new wide receiver on this team. It's no shot against Dalton Kikay, no shot against uh, Sherfield or any of the running backs they brought in. But I just think Hardy is going to be that extra piece that is going to put them, if they get to the Super Bowl, I think Hardy is going to play a massive role in it. You know what? I might have to might have to bookmark that uh, that take right now and <laughs> clip that, see what people think of it. That, that That's pretty interesting. You know, by the way, you could tell camp starting fans, and I'm sure there's fans like this for every team, but they're in idiot mode already. Like uh, on my own Facebook page after Heinz got hurt, we're taping this on Monday, Monday morning that came out. First thing somebody says, oh, well, he was he probably wasn't going to make the team anyway. I was like, all right, man, time to change my privacy settings so that you don't see my Facebook statuses anymore because that's just absolutely ridiculous. It sucks to lose him. I do agree with you for the most part. I think, and I'm kind of getting off track a little bit here talking about Heinz, but I think that they were looking to, expand his role in the offense a little more to your point though i do think that's even more opportunity for deontay hardy to uh take advantage of i'd be remiss if i didn't at least throw in the name of of khalil shakir going into uh the second year we'll we'll see what he has there's some people i'm not really one of them right now at this point but there's some people certainly who are uh pretty high on him um a change in offensive philosophy is something to potentially be excited about as well and we'll follow that throughout camp the Bills becoming a more physical team, whether it's Dalton Kincaid, who's a tight end playing that big slot role that we would see Cole Beasley play a lot of over the last few years. And especially you hit on him earlier in the podcast, um, Osiris Torrance. The Bills used a second round pick on a guard when it seemed like the Bills were pretty set at guard. Um, you know, they, they signed um they signed up for Dale McGovern. They signed um Edwards from the Rams. They, of course, they already had Ryan Bates, Ike Bakers back. 
So it was at least somewhat surprising on night two of the draft to see the Bills go guard. But he's a big physical presence. And then on the running back, running back side, you got Damian Harris, who's more of a physical runner. I'm not saying he's better than Devin Singletary, but different. A more physical in-between-the-tackle kind of runner. And then Latavius Murray, who's even a more physical runner than Damian Harris up there in age. He's 33 years old, but he's really good. And he's consistent uh, between the tackles. So you could see that the Bills are clearly looking to uh, have an identity where at least when they need to be or they want to be, that they could be more physical. So that's something to be excited about and, and worth monitoring uh, through camp as well. Yeah, I'm really excited to see that right guard battle in camp. And I I believe it's probably Ryan Bates' to lose, but he wasn't bad, but he wasn't great. I don't right. I don't think he's earning that contract that he got, that matching offer sheet that I think it was Chicago that offered him last year, that four-year deal. Torrance is just a massive man. He's a mountain of a man. It's just unbelievable. I think if he earns that spot, how are you going to move a guy like that off the line? Like it's impossible. And then you got, I think him being there will actually benefit Spencer Brown on the right tackle spot as well. Because if you got Torrance who literally nobody can move, you can more shade somebody over and help out Spencer Brown, maybe put uh, Dawson Knox there. Ryan Bates becomes your swing guy who can also be your backup center as well. If Morris gets hurt with his, you know, concussion history. Hopefully he can make it through a whole season because the offensive line is completely different with him not there. But I think the offensive line, if Torrance is where he should be and hopefully where he is, if you can start him at right guard, I think that your whole offense turns better because I think it was Capaccio on WGR said that Bobby Hart played like 150 snaps last year. And I was never the biggest Bobby Hart guy. If you take that and give it to Ryan Bates and you have Osiris Torrance as your right guard the whole time. I think that changes your offensive line completely. And I think McGovern is also another guy that was just being completely blown over. Saffold wasn't bad, but again, wasn't that great. And I think he tailed off towards the end of the year. I'm I'm excited to see because I think that left side of the line is going to be locked down. I think it's the right side that's got to catch back up. Bobby Hart played a lot of those snaps as like that six offensive yeah. lineman, big tight end. Um, when they would run that formation, which they were so predictable when they would be in that formation. There's another thing that I like about this team right now, because you're going to see a lot. I don't know how much early on, but you're going to see a lot of Dawson Knox and Kincaid, two tight ends in there at once. However, unlike when Bobby Hart's there, obviously the Bills will be able to throw a lot more um, out of that as well. I, I, I want to disagree with you. I want to, when you say that you think it's Brian Bates' job to lose, I want to say that it's Torrance's job to lose because I agree with you I agree about everything you said about Ryan Bates. I completely agree with that. He was okay last year. I think his real value on this team right now is as a swing guy. He could play tackle. He could play guard. Obviously he could play center as well. So he still brings value. I want to say it's Torrance's job to lose, but I also know the bills don't have an exemplary history of forcing rookies into the lineup. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So I could totally see a situation where Bates starts the year and maybe Torrance gets worked in more and more until ultimately he he takes over uh, that role. One more thing on the good side, too. At least for me, it is. Um, I, I like Leslie Frazier. I, he did a lot of great things. This defense didn't beat itself often. You know, the, the, you, you can't deny the the rankings over the last handful of years under Leslie Frazier, especially during a regular season. They were very good. You know, the Bills feasted 
on teams they were supposed to beat and rookie quarterbacks. And that's what you're supposed to do, right? And to the Bills' credit, they did. Um, but I felt like the defense wasn't aggressive enough at times. And we'll never know how much say Sean McDermott really had and what Leslie Frazier was doing. It's all speculation. We don't know. The playoff game last year just pissed me off. Obviously, the end of the Kansas City playoff game two years ago pissed everybody off. Who knows what happened? We know that Leslie Frazier left in February, which is really late. But anyway, Sean McDermott has taken over the play calling. Get a sense. A lot of people get a sense that he's going to be more aggressive with this defense. You talked about Taylor Rapp maybe playing, getting some looks at like kind of a linebacker in the box role when they're playing some nickel or, or dime defense. Um, and him taking over as defensive coordinator to me is interesting. And it's something certainly to be looking forward to watching at camp and something to be um, excited about. And then on the other side, uh, we'll, we'll talk Ken Dorsey as well. Just simply put, it's his second year. He's got a year of NFL head or offensive coordinating experience under his belt. You would expect with, you know, different personnel and a year under his belt for him to be better too. So anyway, my point is going into camp right now with these coaches. Um, I'm kind of optimistic about him. Yeah, I'll fly through this really quick so we can move over to the the high part of it. It's, uh, <laughs> uh, I think McDermott, I'm excited to see it because, like you said, Leslie Frazier had a solid defense his entire tenure here. But even the best of coaches, sometimes their voice kind of gets a bit stale. So I'm excited to see a new voice making those calls. What, like you said, what, how often McDermott was involved in that? He's completely involved now. So we'll definitely see that. For Dorsey, I'm I'm 50-50 on him right now. I think I've said it many times yeah. now. I, I'm, I'm very interested to see what he does in year two. I think what's also going to be nice is how much trust Josh Allen will have in Ken Dorsey and his play calls this year. Because I think... I'm, I think I'm learning this more and more as we go that just because of the play call like that, I can't just fully blame Ken Dorsey for the play call. It could be a bad read by Josh Allen where the guy's wide open and he just misses it. And I think a lot of that has to possibly do with there wasn't that full on trust that he had with Brian Dable. So maybe in year two, that's when the trust and the relationship blends better together. So that's also another thing that I'm looking forward to is can they earn that trust among each other and trust that, hey, when I make this play call, it's what's best for you and kind of reel in that, you know, wild stealing of Josh Allen every once in a while. Because sometimes last year, towards the end of the year, he was trying to go hero ball again. It's about Ken, Ken Dorsey, reel him in and settle him down and just go, hey, do what you did in that Rams and Titans game because you were taking what the defense gives you. You were throwing for over 300 yards, three, four touchdowns, and you were lights out. And then towards the end of the year, it was kind of just, you know, home run ball. So hopefully year two, they blend together, trust each other and build that relationship even further. Uh, here's what I'm going to take one more real quick break. We're going to come back, talk briefly about the Hyde side of this Bills team. And I don't mean like a Hyde, obviously. Um, you brought up as we go into this break too, that I want to hit on after a great point about Dorsey that when you, as you were saying at the light bulb, um, went off in my head and I want to make sure I bring that up too. So I'll be right back folks. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right back again with PK. By the way, no, you, you mentioned this at the beginning. I, I'm kind of almost disappointed that I haven't heard any dogs bark. I call it the Chris Baker, the Chris Baker vibe of the podcast, where a dog barks in the background. I haven't heard it once yet, man. I could text my wife and get him going if you want. <laughs> <laughs> Let's spend a couple minutes just talking about, like I said, the potential negative side of the uh, the cautiously optimistic. I guess we'll call it whatever. If you're a Bills fan. I want to start here with Stefan Diggs, and I want to preface this. I want to make this very clear. I'm a big Stefan Diggs guy. I don't, I'm not predicting any of this is going to happen. What I'm saying is that if any of this happens, the Bills are in a lot of trouble. We all know he didn't show up for voluntary workouts. We all know he wasn't on the field for day one of mandatory minicamp. And we all know to some extent he's had some beef stemming back from, uh, Last year's embarrassing playoff loss to Cincinnati where he was visibly, and I mean visibly, upset for the world to see. We all know that already. There's no real need to, to deep in, deep dive in that. If you follow the Bills, you listen to the show, you already know all about that. If, 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 and hopefully this doesn't happen, but I feel like Stefan Diggs has the potential to bring this ship down. Like If he's way more unhappy, and I don't think he is, and I'm not predicting it's going to happen. I got to say that again. But if there's something inside of Stephon's, Stephon Diggs' head right now about this organization, whether it's the coaches, whether it's the quarterback, and I know they got a great relationship at times, but it also, trust me, has been tested. I know that for a fact. If Stephon Diggs gets miserable, they, it's something the Bills cannot afford, and we have at least seen hints of it. Okay. He gets very frustrated when he's not getting the ball enough. So if that happens or even worse, he's in a great mood, he's fine. And something happens to him injury wise. And he gets a significant injury after Josh Allen, of course, because again, the, the, the ship sinks without your quarterback. Stefan Diggs has the potential, whether it's something in his mind with his attitude or even worse, like I said, God forbid injury to, to, to bring this team down. That, I guess that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. I mean, Besides Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs is the one piece on that offensive unit you cannot lose. If you lose no. him, the ship's gone. So uh, I think I said it on the light. Going into OTAs, I thought it was just blown out of proportion, this whole Stefan Diggs angry at the, the Bills situation. I was completely wrong. I hope I'm wrong this time, or I hope I'm right this time, where I think it's just all settled. I think based on his body language and everything and that second OTAs, how he was goofing around, just you know, hanging out with everybody, him and Alan were talking, it seems like it's worked out. But again, there's been a month. <laughs> there's been a month of time, and we saw what happened at the end of Cincinnati, and it wasn't resolved, quote-unquote resolved, until the first day of OTAs. And like you said, that could be the the – the hole that sinks the ship for the Buffalo Bills is 
if this isn't fully resolved, maybe in the moment they thought it was resolved. And then, you know, they went home, took a break month passed, and he's still ticked off about whatever the situation was. Maybe, maybe it's Josh Allen. Maybe it's, you know, the coaching decisions, whatever it was and whatever it is, that could be a big issue. And then the second part of it, injury, like you said, if he goes down, I, I think Davis is a number three. He's being forced to be a number two. There's no way he can be a number one in this offense in your Super Bowl contender. It's again, no shot at Davis. Everybody is good at what they are to a certain level. Agreed. There's no, no you're Stephon right. Diggs. You're you're a hundred percent right. And look, I think Stefan Diggs on the field is, is the Top most irrepla- he's the most irreplaceable player on this team after Josh Allen. Uh, I, I I I would go as far as to say that the offense, you know, even with Josh, if 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 your offense is Gabe Davis and Hardy. In Sherfield, that, that that's not scaring teams, man. It's it, it's just not. You need Stephon Diggs out there anyway. That's injury, and that can happen to any team. I'm more locked in on the. I think the issues that they have are buried for now. But you know, they sometimes could you resurface. could bury something; it yeah. could resurface. Stephon Diggs is a very passionate person, man. He wants the football and he wants to win. And uh, we'll see what happens. I, if the Bills get off to a slow start, you might see it. Sooner than later, I certainly hope not. And I, before the break, you were talking about Ken Dorsey. And I'm glad you said this because it is easy in us, whether you're a fan, whether you're a, a mainstream media person, whether you're a podcaster, whatever it is, your content creator, whatever it is, it is so easy to look at the Bills offense when it's in at that times and just say, it's his fault. It's Ken Dorsey's fault. It's called the wrong plays. Uh, they're not scheming right. The game plan sucked. Blah, 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 blah. Sometimes I think it's there, there is certainly validity to it. But I'm going to tell you right now, that Bengals going back to the playoff game kind of connected to Stefan Diggs. Josh Allen had maybe his, forget about the stats or, you know, he had mentally, I'm telling you this, and I've heard this from several people that I trust a lot. He had, a, he had his worst game at the worst time, obviously. And I'm not talking again about the, what the stats say. I'm talking about missing a read or the game plan was designed to, to free up this guy on this play. And he was there. And on that day, Josh either didn't see him or he misfired or he's just making wrong decisions. And that led to a lot of the guy that we just talked about, Stefan Diggs' frustration, man. It was just a bad day at the office for Josh Allen. And you can come up with all the reasons in the world why it doesn't really matter at this point. But my point was, I agree with what you said. I, I, it's just so easy to blame the offensive coordinator all the time for everything. And there are there is some growing that Ken Dorsey certainly has to do. And I don't fully trust him right now. He's got some shit to prove to all of us. But good point, because there's other factors too when an offense doesn't click. It's sometimes it's not always the coaches. Sometimes the players are truly in your area, you know, lack of execution. Well, it's true. Sometimes the players aren't executing. And if your quarterback's not executing, not even physically, but also mentally, the game plan and what guy, what plays are out there to be had, um, it's going to make you look bad. So anyway, good point on that. We talked about digs. Um, on the other side of the football, personnel-wise, the only other thing is Tremaine Edmonds. I, I he was such a polarizing figure for this team for a couple the last handful of years. I think last year he played very well until the playoffs, but you could say the same thing about a lot of guys who just, you know, shit the bed in the playoffs or the Bills on defense. Um, 
look, you can have this competition with five guys. I think it's Dodson, Klein, Bernard, Dorian Williams. I don't even know who the fifth is. Somebody they signed, whoever, whatever. It doesn't matter. Shane Ray. Yeah, Shane. <laughs> None of these guys are replacing Jermaine Edmonds. And even though they're going to be better in other areas, and we talked a lot about it, I think this team, I think this team is going to feel the impact of, of Jermaine Edmonds being gone. Hopefully not a lot, but they're going to definitely feel that impact right now. Yeah, I think they're mostly going to feel it in the coverage game, and that's where the NFL is going, is, is passing. And he was a great sideline-to-sideline side pass protector. And mm-hmm. I, I think the the one biggest benefit, and I know we're in the negative side of this, but I think the one biggest benefit they have is they have an all-pro right next to him. So sure, it, it's definitely going to be different and a different change. And I think one of the aspects that I think, I don't think I've heard anybody talk about this whole offseason is – Who's going to be relaying the calls onto the field? Because Edmonds did that for five straight years. I'm interested to see, is that going to be a Matt Milano job? Is that going to be whoever is going to be on the field replacing Edmonds? I don't think it's going to be because, you know, they're not going to be on the field every single down. I'm assuming it's going to be Matt Milano. It does that. It's different when you have the voice in your ear. And I know this is from a guy who's never been on the field. He's never played it down, but I'm assuming you know, having to read the coverages and line people up correctly and be in the right set and everything, that's going to take an adjustment period. And having nobody else but Edmonds ever do that, I think that's going to be a little twist that I don't think anybody's really talked about is is how is that going to look? How are they going to be able to line people up? Because Edmonds was a main role of making sure guys are in the right positions. And he's gone now. And it's it's definitely... That's the one of the biggest things that I'm worried about, aside from who's going to be replacing him between those five guys, like we mentioned, is you know who's going to be relaying those calls and get the guys in the right positions. Yeah, by the way, I don't want to disrespect Traven Howard. They signed him from the Rams. He's allegedly supposed to be in the mix. They've been a linebacker. See how it plays out. Um, I will say it'll be interesting, at least, to see if anybody steps up you know, during camp and, and grabs a stranglehold of this starting job. And, you know, it is like you said, it's going to be a downgrade and there's just no uh, question about it, but it doesn't mean that it's not interesting. Um, Another thing too, and I, you know, I don't even know if this is on the negative side because you can also come back with, with something else too. I feel like there's a lot of pressure on this team right now, and I'm sure nobody's putting more pressure on them than they are themselves. But if this team for an, I don't know, to use an example, let's just say they, whether they win a division or not, we'll give them a playoff win. But they lose in a divisional round again for a third straight year. I think you're going to start seeing a lot of people around the league and maybe a lot of people in Buffalo, too, calling this team overrated. You know, this is an overrated team. Um, they're regular season darlings. They, they play their worst football in the play. Can't get past the divisional round. How are you going to win a Super Bowl if you can't even get to a to an AFC title game for for three straight years. So I think there's a lot of pressure, but counterpoint. And then I'm gonna turn this over to you. I don't know. You've been paying attention much to like the, the ESPN first take shows or whatever they have in the morning, which I barely ever watch. I'm not going to lie to you, but I see it on Twitter. Eight, eight people, eight panelists on their show picked the AFC East. Seven of them picked not the bills, either Miami or, uh, the New York Jets. So I think maybe some teams are, or some people out there already think the Bills are overrated going by that, I guess. But um, anyway, do you, what, what's the level of pressure that you feel is on this team? Right yeah, now? I mean, I, I've stopped watching that stuff too. I mean, it's for everybody. Anybody want to watch it, 
go for it. I mean, you got to find your entertainment somewhere, but like you said, the only way I see it is just little clip. It's on Twitter. It's, it's mm-hmm. the off season. They need something to talk about. <laughs> so they're just going to make these bold predictions and hopefully they're right. And I, I think uh, there's good and bad. I think the pressure on them is a lot less than last year. And I think they're able to use that as more of the underdog. Hey, one person out of eight is sure. supporting us and think we're going to win. But on the negative, like you said, the pressure's on in that building. And I don't think it's on anywhere higher than in that building. Like you said, if they don't even make the champ AFC championship this year with where their cap is, and I know Brandon Bean's a wizard with the cap and he can make anything happen, but next year is lining up to be one of the worst cap issues he's had in his entire time here. So if they do not pull it out this year, there could be bigger changes than you saw this year with this team that's been together for the longest time. Now it's tough to keep teams together. And Brandon beans has done an amazing job at doing it. But like you said, if they get to the division round one more time and don't make it to the AFC championship, this team is going to be considered overrated. This team's going to be underachieving. And I really think that you're going to see some monster changes going into the 2024 season. I know we're way ahead of ourselves. This season hasn't even started yet. Looking forward. If they, you know, because this is the negative side, if they come up short again this year, there could be monster changes, not just to this lineup, but some of the coaching staff as well. And you know what, PK, to some extent, it would be warranted. It'd be fair. Is Sean McDermott, is he ever going to get you over the hump? Can he, yep. can he get you past uh, the first round of the playoffs? You know, Josh Allen can't win, even though it's not. I mean, again, you go back to two years ago. I don't know how a quarterback can humanly play better than he did against the Chiefs and the Patriots in those two playoff games. So we've already seen that that's not true. But you're going to hear a lot of it. Some of it warranted, um, some of it not. And then the last thing, if you're taking the height approach right now to uh, – the bills on this season, not really so has, doesn't have much to do with the actual training camp, which we're mainly talking about today. But I do think the AFC East is significantly better right now. Like by far, if, if, if I was a guy and I was thinking about this, and this is why I'm not blasting the ESPN guys or Colin Coward or any of these guys too hard, because if you are a content creator and you're on TV or you're on the radio or whatever, you don't always want to take the favorites. You look for kind of like trendy underdogs where, you know, you look smart if you if you pick the right person, but you don't go out too much on a limb. Um, the Bills feel, it feels to me like the Bills are ripe for the picking. I'm not saying I still think the Bills are the best team in the division, but it feels like they're ripe for the picking. Miami's good. You can easily make an argument that Miami's better than the Bills last year and probably winning the playoffs if two of plays instead of a third-string quarterback. And they added to their defense. They got a good linebacker. They got Jalen Ramsey. Um, Miami's got a good team, man. If Tua stays healthy, the Jets have played the Bills really tough over the last couple of years with complete garbage at quarterback. And now they have Aaron Rodgers. I don't think he's MVP Aaron anymore by any means, but he's also not Mike White or, or Zach Wilson either. You know what I'm saying? So the Jets are right there in the conversation. The Jets from one to 53 have a lot of talent. Let's just put it that way. Um, and, and then New England, you know, I still don't think New England is quite there yet. But they go get Juju Schuster. They go get Gasecki. They get they got Matt Jones a couple weapons, and on any given Sunday, they might give you that loss at Foxborough that knocks you out of the division lead. You know what I'm saying? So I just I think this division is significantly better this year than last year. 
Hey, uh, Patriots also actually have a legit offensive coordinator this year. Is also <laughs> they don't have a defensive yeah, coordinator. That's true. And Great then point. also Miami bringing over Vic Fangio for a defensive coordinator, getting Jalen Ramsey, like you said, their defense is going to be much better. And if you get a healthy tool, which I'm not wishing ill will on anybody, I'm hoping that he can play a full season because that offense is being an outsider. That offense is electric with him behind, and I'm not a Tua guy, but getting the ball into the hands of Hill and Waddle and you know even uh, A-Chain back there if he breaks out, that rookie running back yeah, back there, which yeah. I think is going to be the best one. This division is a lot better than previous years. And it kind of stinks because you had the New England era for what, 15, 18, some odd years, and nobody was really competing with them. And then Bills get really good. And then everybody's like, okay, we got to go get a quarterback now. We're going to be really good now and we're right on your tail. So yeah. I think they're they're I think they're a tier below Bills. But like you said, if any of these negatives that we brought up factor in, that gap shrinks less and less and less. You have a lot less room for error now than you did in the previous years because the guys behind you are, you know, right on your tails. Yeah. I'll tell you, putting a wrap on the Bills talk uh, for this episode, like I said, Jekyll and Hyde, it's, if I'm feeling really good about this team, I could go on and on forever about why they're the best team, not only in the division, very much possibly still in the AFC. They're just so deep. I think they're much deeper. This offseason wasn't about flash. It was about adding really good role players. And I think this roster is really, really good. And then on the negative side, like I said, you got you got a really good division. You, you got a wide receiver who was very unhappy um, at the end of last year, and you need him. And then you're replacing a Pro Bowl caliber middle linebacker, which is never uh, that easy. Anyway, I'm sure we'll talk about this. You know, you'll be on plenty. We'll talk about the this team throughout camp going into the season. All right, let's end this uh, episode like I had the last couple times I've had you on. We'll call it personally PK. And simply put, I'm just going to ask you three questions. These ain't got none really to do with sports, just a an opportunity for people who've watched or listened to this entire episode to know a little bit more about you beyond just what you think about some of these uh, sports teams. So got three for you, right? Simple ones too. Well, they are to me anyway. Wings, are you team flats or are you team drums? Uh, it's flats. It's no question. Um, I don't think there's truly a right answer, but personally it's, it's flats. Yes, they're tougher to eat, but... I think the enjoyment is better. You get less of the, the crumbly crap, but I do have a, a small hot take if, if you will here. And it's, it's, it goes along with the wings. I think I said it back in May and I have yet to have anybody agree with me. They've all called me stupid, which, you know, they've called me stupid for 31 years. It's no big deal. I truly think that most people don't actually prefer blue cheese over ranch. And I think it's because people just come here and they feel so pressured to favor blue cheese over ranch because it's a Buffalo thing. And, you know, I, I, I personally don't think that's how they really feel. You see athletes come in and they ask, okay, blue cheese or ranch. And they all say ranch. And when they leave, I think it was Isaiah McKenzie that said, I prefer ranch over blue cheese, but I, I personally don't like either. I'm a oil or Italian man. So who am I to really judge? But the, the bonus on this, if you have to dip your wings in something to eat them they're not good wings stop getting wings from there it should be just a standalone thing it should be like a a salad dressing on top of a salad you don't need it but it enhances it you you're singing my song dude i mean and i'm known for wings and i had some of these people on my show howard simon was on my show he was astounded that i don't use any blue cheese or ranch for that matter either it's just for me it's just wings i'm also team flats however i used to be only flats like i used to order wings and i would say I'd like to get a single order. 
all flats if possible, extra saucy, not too crisp. They say all that. Now I just let them bring what they're going to bring. But I still prefer flats, but I can I can eat either. Good You're call one on of those the, guys. <laughs> I, am I worked at those. a pizza place, so you'd have to pick out all the flats for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I definitely was one of those guys. Not anymore, though. But look at it. So I am on your team when it comes to uh, no blue cheese, though. And I do agree with you. A lot of these players are full of shit. They say the right things. They don't want to get beat up in the media. Oh, yeah. You know what's funny? Only in a Buffalo market, we're talking content creating here. Can we spend five minutes talking about wings where people might actually care what we're talking about? Um, I'll get hate later. <laughs> all right. One musical act that if they gave me either KeyBank or iMark right now and you could have front row seats for, who would it be for? If I get a guest and I want to live to see Tuesday night, uh, I'm going to have to bring my wife and give her a chance to see Ariana Grande because if, if not, she will possibly murder me if she finds out you had a chance to have front row seats to see her and you didn't take it. So if I have to, I'll do that. I asked my brother the same question. I'm like, this is a tough one for me. He said, get Taylor Swift tickets and then sell them and you'll ah. be rich. Uh, but I think for me, I used to be like the 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 fan of like certain music styles and everything like that. But as I've gotten older, it's it's less about like what's in and all that kind of stuff. It's more about like the experience and being able to kind of enjoy the actual atmosphere there. So I, if I'm going to a concert, I'm going to be front row, which might be the last time I'm ever front row. Cause there's no way I'm going to be able to afford front row tickets to anything. I think I want that experience and that, that show that's almost like a movie, but it's live. So I, if I were to order these and I'm not saying he's my favorite singer whatsoever, but just everything I've heard about his concerts, I'll go Bruno Mars. And if I can't do Bruno Mars, Brianna or Beyonce, all three of them, the halftime show they put on, which is what, 20 minutes? I want to yeah. see that for two and a half, three hours, that production they put on, because it's more like a movie rather than just a concert. When I've done these questions before, my answer has been Bruno Mars many times. I will say, though, you mentioned Taylor Swift. I might pick her. I never would have picked her until two weeks ago. I, Brian Duff was on with me. We did a live show from Imperial. And at the end, we kind of got, Brian's really a big music guy, man, and he likes all kinds of music. He went to see Taylor Swift not long ago, and he just talked about the experience. Not so much her music. Right. I like her music yep. fine, but I'm not obsessed with her music. I'm not a Swifty or whatever they're, they're called. But he talked about the experience of being there at that concert. And he said it was unlike anything he had ever been to. So that might push me to say Taylor Swift because of that. Yeah, my friend, my friend is one of the biggest Taylor Swift fans you'll ever see. It was Friday morning i think it was like two or three o'clock and her bro boyfriend just drove to cincinnati on the hopes they'll get a ticket they didn't get one but they could hear the music outside of the stadium so they just partied outside with everybody else and then drove back that same day so wow. there are people out there that are that crazy but like like i said i want that experience more than just like my favorite singer i want something that i'm gonna sure. remember for the rest of my life and front row to one of those singers it would be unbelievable yeah for sure all right, last one. So at the beginning of the show, I talked about, you know, training camp starting. It's really cool because football's back, baby. But it's also shitty because, well, for me, it's shitty because summer's ending. So let's end with this. I want you to take all four seasons, summer, uh, fall, winter, and spring, power rank them. These are PK's power rankings of the four seasons from best to from your most favorite to your least favorite. Fall is number one in a tier by itself, not even anywhere close. It's the perfect weather. Uh, it's not too hot. 
It's not too cold. You don't need layers. You don't have to pull off layers. There's football starting. Hockey's there. You know, there's apple picking. Kids are back to school, so you see less of them around the streets. There's less people driving uh-huh. up and down the street that you have to worry about. Campfires, all that kind of stuff. Fall is my number e- one. Easy for you, yeah. Number two, which is a distant number two, but it's still a solid number two. There's not anywhere any close. My tears are like big gap. Summer is number two. Uh, okay. It rarely rains. There's longer hours during the day, so you can take advantage of you know more sunshine because half the time people go to work during some seasons and they get out of work and it's still dark and they never see the sun. There's pool weather. You know, there, there's time to go on trips. You can build in times to travel wherever you want to go. So summer is my distant number two, but still solid number two. Okay. Three is winter. Uh, I don't hate winter. It's just it's too long here. I, I mean, I th- if you can cut it down to two or three months of solid below 32, I'm good. But it's that fake, you know, spring, fake summer or winter kind of action yeah. that I hate. Like, I don't mind snow blowing and stuff like that. It's that slushy crap that I can't stand that gets in your boots and your boots are wet. It's it's that and it's the length of time and then lack of sunshine. That That's my biggest issue with winter. If it was just cold, perfectly fine with that. And then I don't even want to rank this one because I hate it so much, but you have to. Spring is my last one. And I, I just hate it. There's nothing good about it. It rains all the time. When you have dogs, your whole yard is a mess, and then you got to wipe their feet. Ah, okay. uh, th- there's a big difference between rain and snow. Snow, you can just brush off, take off your jacket, no big deal. When you get rain on, you're wet the rest of the day. Your shoes are sloshy. It, it's gross. So I wish there was a way that we can get down to just three seasons where we'll go winter, fall, summer fall and then back to winter just skip spring altogether. get rid of that season i know some people are like oh but the growing flowers and stuff like that i don't care just have them already grown that's perfectly fine with me i don't want spring i hate spring i hate those two or three months of it because it non-stop rains and it's it's annoying and yes i'm probably biased because i have dogs and i foster dogs and that's a big aspect of it but you can't do anything in the rain at least you can go out and sled and stuff in the snow you can't do anything in the rain well, you clamor for three seasons, and quite often, to be fair, in Buffalo, you get three seasons because it's yeah. winter seemingly for like eight months a, a year. I'll tell you this. I flip flop. I'm still summer guy first before fall. Just as long as you didn't say winter first. Like Joe Yernan, I almost didn't want to talk to him anymore when he told me that winter was right up there amongst his favorite. It was that in fall. They were like neck and neck. If you would have said that, I would have been like, all right, PK, it's been a nice run here on Talking Buffalo. Can't have you on anymore. I don't like being cold. I'm soft. I'm a sissy. I just, you know, I, I don't like heights. I don't like being cold. I also don't like walking out of the house at 430 and it's almost pitch dark. I mean, to be fair, it's like that everywhere, but in the winter time, but the difference is in Florida, you ain't freezing your ass off. You know, you got to bundle up, go outside in the dark. It's just draining. I don't mind winter season or even cold. I should say until after Christmas, it's fun. It's festive to me. Christmas. Before anything before Christmas, being cold is festive. Snow, fine. After New Year's, though, from like New Year's, at least through like maybe the middle of March, I'm just the most absolute miserable person in the world. I hate winter. Yeah, just shrink but- it. That, that's all I'm asking for. I don't really <laughs> get cold very often. Like I'm the guy that wears shorts when I'm shoveling. It's not that big of a deal to me. It's just the when it's dark from like 5 a.m. 
till or light from like what 6 a.m until 4 30 if you're lucky yeah. i can't do that and then it's just too long that's that's the biggest knock but the one benefit of winter you can travel to warmer weather and since my parents are down in florida now i can get out of this snowy crap and go down and, like it's fall weather down there for me that's true all right we're going to put a wrap on this episode um couple coughing spells but nothing terrible i could tell you right now if we want to work another 10 minutes I can feel it coming. That's why I constantly, if you're watching us on video, it's cutting to you or putting up a, a graphic because it's coming. But anyway, make sure you follow PK on Twitter at PK, PK underscore BSC. And I'm telling you guys, check out the podcast, man. Buffalo Sports Collective. It is far and away one of the most vastly underrated shows out there of any Buffalo content, whether it's Bills, whether it's Sabres, especially Bandits during season. Bisons, unlike this show, these guys actually cover it all and they do it really, really well, man. Thanks, buddy. It's always good having you on. Appreciate all the kind words. Anytime you need me, I'm here. All right, guys. And I will be back tomorrow with Anthony Marino from Buffalo Rumblings. Talk to you then.